What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the hardworking happy hour. I'm Sean. And I'm Catherine. And as always, we'll be breaking down all things trades, entrepreneurship, and turning your creativity into a passion career. (laughs) That was cool. That's fun. Yeah, we did that little (laughs) impromptu double vocals there. Um, Yeah, this week we have just a very fun episode. I mean, it's not... It's going to be really fun about a serious, I mean, you know, it's not even that serious. Let's just have fun with it. It's about mistakes and missteps that you make as a business owner Yeah, because we all make them. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. It's how you deal with those mistakes. And my biggest pet peeve about social media culture and this bro entrepreneurship culture is people, (laughs) people pretend like they got it figured out and they don't make any mistakes. Yeah. And they can teach you if you just pay for their dumb course. Well, no, (laughs) you're going to make mistakes. Just go into it knowing that that's going to happen. Be okay with it. And you get better at problem solving as you go. And the problems will keep coming, but you'll get better at dealing with it. So keep that in mind. That's that's what we want to focus on. So I'm going to share some of my mistakes. And we have some calls from people. They're going to share their mistakes. And uh, hopefully, if nothing else just makes you feel like you're not alone if you feel like you made some mistakes and you're not you know on top of the world right now you're gonna feel better because we're all there oh yeah do you want to talk about what we're drinking before we get into it i would love to talk about it but i don't even remember what it's called because you (laughs) made it and it's your signature family recipe so take it away uh we call this a rum grumpy all of my my dad's grandpa- grandkids call him Grumpy instead of, like, granddad or whatever. So the drink is his drink. It's called a Rum Grumpy. It is Sailor Jerry rum and tonic and lime. Yeah. And if made in the correct proportions, it kind of tastes like cream soda. It's one of my favorites. This one sort of tastes like cream well, soda. Well, I did, I, yeah, I did the lime, like, squirt juice thing Yeah. instead of actual real lime. The key is real lime. When you told me it was a Rum Grumpy, I thought that was, like, a, like a thing. But this really is like a signature thing. It was named after your dad. Yeah. His name's Grumpy. Yep. That's a pretty cool grandpop name, Grumpy. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Max calls uh, Sarah's dad slick. I love that. I mean, he doesn't call him anything because he's only one. He doesn't really talk. But (laughs) But I'm going to make sure that he calls him slick. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty special. Um, Yeah. Wonderful drink. We're and back to the cocktails, which is yeah. good. We got lazy like the last, you know, couple episodes, but we're back. Yeah. We're back stronger than ever. Yeah. I think maybe we should make that like a, we should ask for people to send in recipes too. We should. Because I feel like you can only Google so much, like, yeah. you don't know what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And when you Google a recipe for anything, it's got to have like a 6,000 word, oh you know, background yeah. story about something. It's like. read someone's life. Yeah. Story before you get back to the I just want to know how to make a screwdriver cocktail. <laughs> it turns out you read like about this person's whole life and it's it's just vodka and orange juice. <laughs> Could have been so much more simple. Right? Anyway, let's dive into this episode because uh, I think it's going to be helpful to a lot of people. Yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully yeah. they get a little value out of it. So I think, yeah, no, I think that's important because everyone makes mistakes and you have to learn from them and if you don't make mistakes then you're not really learning you're just following someone else's else's path so yeah you gotta make those mistakes look at them as learning opportunities not mistakes yeah it's kind of like you know when the p word gets tossed around on the job site problem oh yes 
That'll be the last time I say it. Yeah, yeah. But we don't have problems. We just have solutions that we haven't found yet. So look at your exactly. mistakes like that. Yep. It's just a learning experience that you haven't experienced yet. Yeah. So I'm going to share a couple things about my journey and some mistakes that I've made. And then we're going to go to some calls and we'll kind of bounce back and forth and we'll just rap about it and uh, it'll be fun. Yeah. All right. Let's put you in the hot seat. Sean, oh. give us a mistake. What have you done in business that you... I mean, pretty much everything 100% right from the beginning (laughs) because I'm perfect. No, I've done so many things that that were huge mistakes and not even necessarily, it's hard to even call it a mistake because it's not like with a lot of things in business, there's not just like a right way and a wrong way to do Mm -hmm. things. It's just not the best way. And you can ride along going, you know, doing a certain thing and think that it's fine until a certain situation arises and and you kind of reevaluate and you're like, you know, I, I wasn't, you know, the best leader in that scenario. So, yeah. Um, one, one thing that I'll share is just dealing with employees and expectations and communication. So this is going back a couple years at least and had somebody that was just starting to slack off a little bit more, starting to, um, call out a lot more and just wasn't, wasn't, really uh contributing to like a great morale on the job site and Mm -hmm. I was starting to get frustrated by it and eventually they they called out a couple times within like a two-week period and it was just like kind of lame things in my opinion so the last time they did it I said you know what don't even worry about it don't you know don't bother coming in again and then he called me and you know was like where is this coming from? This came out of nowhere. You know, you didn't say anything to me. So we ended up coming in and we talked about it and he was actually a hundred percent right. I had never really like voiced any of those concerns or the things that were bothering me. So I kind of reevaluated it and I said, all right, well, you know what? Let's just start fresh again. We got everything off of our chest about everything that I was thinking. It was all these little things that were building up, mm-hmm. but I wasn't communicating that. So I realized in that moment, like, it's not fair for me to just think that he can read my mind and think that this is like a last straw type of thing. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't communicate any of that. I was holding all those frustrations in. So that was like a big learning experience for me to just make sure that I'm communicating on those little things. So the little things don't turn into big things. Yeah. So leadership and, and employees, there's just so much to... To like learn to really master that that thing, which I'm yeah. definitely far from still, but um, but you just learn a little bit at a time, and that was that was definitely a big turning point for me. Yeah, I think it's so important to have sit downs with your employees because even you know I don't own a business, but on the employee side of it, I've always loved like employee reviews where whoever is my supervisor is giving me feedback and like telling me things that I need to work on. And then I give them feedback and tell them things that I expect. Yeah. And it's just a good way to communicate. Like you should always be open and upfront and communicative with your employees. And it just squashes so many problems if you don't even let them arise. And even like now we'll just call people into the, into the, into our van, into our office van, mobile command center, <laughs> mobile yep. command center. And we'll yeah. just talk to them and be like, are you, you know, how's going it going? On? <laughs> yeah. So I think it's, Communication is such a key to happy employees, and I think that that's just... I agree. and makes a huge difference. I think just having an open line of communication and 
also being very communicative. Is that how you say that? <clears throat> communicative? Yeah. Sounds communicative. like a weird word. I feel like it's a word. It might be. <laughs> I don't know. Communicative. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. I feel like you need to communicate <laughs> all of the good things too. So, you know, not just being really quick to communicate on all these little problems, but also communicate on all the things that are going well, like with that mm-hmm. feedback. Like if you were yeah. having um, feedback sessions with a superior at a previous job and every time it was just all the things that you were doing bad, you probably wouldn't look forward to those things. Yeah. But it's probably a lot of good stuff and maybe a couple things that you could work on. So mm-hmm. kind of balancing that out and making sure that it's not just so one-sided. Yeah. Um, you give the compliment sandwich. Yeah. You say, I really like that you're doing this. You should improve this. But I also really think you're doing a great job in this other thing. The compliment sandwich. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely a good tactic because people <laughs> are like, oh, really? I'm doing this well? Oh, no, you don't like that? Yeah. Oh, but you like that thing? Okay, perfect. Yeah. 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 But also it just it creates an environment where you feel like you can go to your boss and talk to them too. So yeah. not only are you having those rap sessions and you're figuring it out, but like then you create this environment where the employee feels like they can go to the boss if they have something yeah, to talk about. Yeah. And I hope that I'm cultivating that type of um, culture here. Sean, I meant to tell you this is actually like an intervention. Oh, with, no. uh, <laughs> I'm unapproachable. <laughs> no, we definitely have that. I think all, right, all of well, us are comfortable talking to each yeah. other. All right. Well, that's good. Yeah. So that was, that was one little, um, <laughs> little mistake and I learned a lot from it and it made me a better boss and a better leader throughout that. So, uh, I don't look at it as a bad thing. It was, it was a really good learning experience for me and you know, I bet that's something a lot of people can relate to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, interpersonal kind of relationships with, especially on, on a small crew with a small business, like, Mm -hmm. It's really tough because you're not just like the boss that's somewhere in an office that is just kind of raining down orders. Like you're there working next to them every day. So sometimes it can be, it can just be tough because like little tensions can build up if you don't squash them. So um, I think we dove into that enough. Why don't we go to (laughs) a, what do we want to do, a call? Uh, Yeah, we can do a call. Okay. Okay, let's see. Hey, Sean, and everybody there at Premier Outdoor Living. Uh, been following you guys for a while. Uh, this is Seth Fry from Elite Exterior Solutions in South Central PA. Um, as far as uh, learning mistakes and, and uh, kind of going through the process of learning uh, business in itself, uh, when I first started in um, as a mowing service, uh, I realized quickly that that you uh, get a lot of contacts from third-party management companies and different things like that. Um, and I, I learned very fast that uh, they can bite you in the butt. Uh, but as far as uh, outdoor living, um, one mistake that I made early on is trusting people's word. Um, so customers are great, but not, not all are equal. Um, and so you trust them with a handshake that, yep, we're going to do you a great job and uh, they're going to pay their bill. And you get clear to the end of the project and they end up sticking you with um, final payment or something like that. So I learned I learned that it's very important to have contracts. And uh, for somebody that would be freshly starting out, that is very important um, to 
make sure your your T's are crossed and your I's are dotted. Um, I would say that's one of the most important things that I've learned, uh, just to make sure that you're covered. Um, but like in business, uh, and, and with your customers, all, I mean, all, all projects are, um, no matter if it's a thousand dollar job or a $50,000 job, um, it's very important to have a con just so that you're covered and the customer Honestly, it, it makes the customer feel better that that you're under contract. That way, um, it's more of a, a legit legal process. So, I uh, love what you're doing with the hardworking happy hour. Um, and I know I've talked to you a couple different times through social media, and it would be great to to meet you and 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 get to know get to know you a little better. But uh, keep crushing it in business and, and everything you guys are doing. I love your designs and everything there. Uh, so, all right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for the call there, Seth. Um, I think that is, that's something that everybody can definitely relate to in one way or another. Um, just contracts. Oh yeah. You know, contracts. Excuse me. Yeah. That's why we call you contract Kathy <laughs> sometimes. I yeah. just made that up, but that, I've never heard that before. But I, it's applicable. I think that contracts are so important. They, they def- are not important until they're very important. Yeah. So they're not important at all. You might as well just throw them away until they're until super they're important. Until they're like super important, and someone is scrutinizing every single word and yeah. capitalized letter in that contract. So yes. it is. I one hundred percent think that anybody in this industry should be using contracts for any deals that they're doing. Definitely. You need to, like, even if you don't want to pay a lawyer to, like, review your contracts, just go online and, like, look up legal language that will save your butt in certain situations. It's just so important to have that. And not only is it important to cover yourself legally, but you're also, it also adds that extra conversation with your client. So everything is, like, stated. Like, I know exactly what they expect from me, and they know exactly what to expect from them. Like, it's just... Yeah, it's, it's good to have that extra conversation. It's just such an important extra level of security for both parties. That's a good point that it it is it forces you to really dive into every little detail and review it with the client. So yeah. it eliminates any gray area where it could be a little detail that you hadn't previously like thought about talking to the client with. Um, but then when you have to write it up into a contract, it could be a, a, a situation where they realize, oh, wait, that that isn't something that, that I want here. So mm-hmm. um, it is a, a really good way to just communicate with the client as well, which I hadn't really thought about. Um, yeah. But like he was saying with the third-party um, contractor, so a lot of really big um, commercial real estate companies, like I'm sure you've dealt with them, where they sub it out to um, like snow removal is a big one. Yeah. I still get a bunch of calls for that where they sub it out to a really big company. Um, I think one's called like Fern, Ferdino, Fernadino and Sons or something. Um, and I don't think they do any plowing or maintenance or whatever, but they then subcontract to smaller contractors. Mm-hmm. And the vibe that I get, we've never worked with anybody like that, but the vibe I get is they kind of prey on these smaller companies they know that they don't understand the contracts because they're probably super long and complicated. Mm-hmm. The payment terms are really drawn out. So, you know, you don't get paid for a really long time. And I've heard a lot of stories of people 
either going out of business or nearly going out of business based on these contracts because they don't fully understand what they're agreeing to and the terms are always in that company's favor. Yeah. So it's a tough one because especially when you're just starting out, it's hard to, you know, you're just struggling to get by on everything. It's hard to even have the time to step back and, you know, review something online to get a a really good template or have the money to go uh, consult with an attorney on your contract. So yeah, it is super, super important, but I can see for a lot of companies how it just falls by the wayside, especially in the beginning. But yeah, and I think in the beginning, a lot of people are just working for like family or friends or like friends of friends. So then yeah. it is that kind of like you're starting off with this like loose acquaintance and then you're like, oh, it's it's fine. I'm just working for Jerry's uncle down the street. Yeah. But then that's when you get screwed because you're like Jerry's uncle. Jerry's uncle's guy. <laughs> kind of a jerk. Yeah. Jeez, Jerry's uncle. He's always doing sketchy stuff yeah. with contractors. Oh, that guy. But the good thing about that, usually with contracts, when you really get burned, you only need to get burned once and you're like, okay, now <laughs> I know the importance of contracts. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's a great one. Yeah. What? Uh, good point. What else we got? What else we got in, right. the, in the Let's hopper? Let's see. We also put it out on Instagram for people to give us anonymous tips if they didn't want to like own up to their mistakes. But yeah, if there was, I thought like, we were gonna get some pretty salacious things. But yeah, I think they know that it's as, not completely anonymous. Yeah, so none were as salacious as I thought. But I thought we might get some that were like borderline criminal <laughs> <Yeah>. offenses <laughs> that we would like morally have to report to authorities. But yeah. nothing that good. None of those. Um, okay, so the first one is. Failed to follow up after sending in an estimate. Client went with another bid, so lost an 80K job. And I think that's a good point because I know how many like inquiries we get, and it's so easy to like lose track of these things. Yep. So it is hard to keep on top of like every single thing you send out. Absolutely. But, but you got it to. can come back to bite you, yeah. <laughs> or you're losing 80K jobs. Yeah. And that could be I always looked at projects like that, like either something like that happened or just just little scenarios where I thought we were going to get this really big job and then for whatever reason whether it was like a miscommunication or I forgot to follow up those jobs didn't materialize Mm -hmm. but I always had the mentality of that's almost a blessing in disguise because there's some reason that I wasn't supposed to get this job because the really big jobs like that like an $80,000 job to me like three or four years ago was huge like absolutely massive Mm -hmm. and those are the ones that you can really get killed on so i'm not saying that it's always a good thing to lose out on an eighty thousand (laughs) dollar job but you never know if you if you really mess up on like a smaller job and it's terrible client or whatever the situation is you're still in and out of there fairly quickly but on a large project it can really really just bring you down so yeah i would say the best thing for that Having a good system to keep track of your leads, you know, looking into some CRM software, yeah, um, which I think stands for Client Relationship Manager, probably. Yeah. It's something like that. I didn't know if it was client or, cu- I thought it was customer relationship. Could be manager. either, maybe. Both yeah. would work. Both are nearly the same, <laughs> same idea. Um, we're in a situation where we we do get a lot of leads, but... We kind of just, we open up the funnel for a little bit. We talk, we, we really focus on the inquiries for, 
I'd say a month or two in the fall or winter. We sell mm-hmm. out the entire year and then we shut it down. So right now we don't have to be like really looking at the the inquiries coming in because yeah. it says it right there. We're booked out for the year. We're not taking consultations for like another six months. So it's it's tough. It is tough. It's really tough. Yeah. Especially if you're like me and you're not super organized. Um, that's where software can really help you out. Or yeah. If you can have somebody um, hire somebody like Catherine that's really organized and knows how to create systems around the processes in your business and just make sure that you have a way of keeping track of where each lead is in the process, you know, see if you sent out a price and, and everything was going really good. Now you're not hearing from them, touch base with them again and just keep in contact with them. But it can be hard. Yeah. Especially when you're wearing a lot of hats. Yeah. So oh, many yeah. hats, yeah. So many hats. There's just so many hats. Hats. Sometimes I feel like I'm wearing a, a trucker hat, a beanie, a fedora, and a top hat all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to balance it. It's tough. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. All right, so the next one. Uh, I was pressured into taking on a job that was way out of my capacity. That is, that's definitely a tough one because... A lot of times in the beginning, a lot of the jobs are at least a little bit out of your capacity. Yeah. And there's probably also that want to like, I yeah. want to grow. I want to be at that point. Yep. But you have to know where that, where that balance is. Like you can't take off, take on a job that's so far out of your expertise that you really can't possibly have a good outcome with it. Like it needs to be a little bit of a, of a stretch. Mm-hmm. I feel like all of our jobs are like that because as soon as we kind of master one one technique or, or portion of a project, we want to come up with an idea that's a little bit better and we're always scratching our heads. So there's always a little bit of that aspect, but yeah, you can't just, you can't always do that. And yeah. you can't reach too far beyond because either you can't build it properly and that's really bad or... You have no clue how long it's going to take, and it takes yeah. 10 times longer, and it buries you. So that's a tough one, but yeah. I think everyone has been in that scenario. Yeah. Hard to find that balance. but It is. So, Catherine, you aren't aren't really a business owner, but, I mean, I feel like you ha- you're partially in charge of, you know, what we do here and <laughs> other things in your life, you know? What's that Jay-Z quote? I'm I'm not a businessman. I'm a businessman. <laughs> Let me handle my business. Damn. <laughs> yeah, That's that a one. good one. <laughs> I like that. Um, yeah. So you're a business, ma'am. <laughs> so I'm a business ma'am. <laughs> let's let's hear some input from uh, you. What what do you got for us? On I'm putting you on the spot. Just yeah, whatever. On what? <laughs> whatever. Any mistake that you've made, you know, oh, maybe gosh. that. You want to come clean about whatever it is, whatever it is. Just Are you hinting there. at something specific? I'm not hinting at anything specifically, but if you have anything that's weighing you down and you want to come clean Feel about, <laughs> it might be good to do it on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, this week I had a very, very sad moment where I, I am the commander of this van. I take my job very seriously as commander. I try to keep this van in tip top shape and, and we were at the, um, we were at a client's house and the parking situation is not ideal there. 
it's tight, the roads are tight, and our parking spot is usually taken in the morning. And we need to plug the van into electricity. So getting that that primo that spot, primo is, spot is very important. Yep. So the whole week while we were at this job, I was very on it. As soon as I saw that car move, we were pulling in there. <laughs> and uh, so I did that. I got really excited about the parking spot that we were eyeing up. Eyeing up and yeah. I, I confidently drove the van into the yeah. parking spot and I clipped the homeowner's uh, Honda Civic headlight. Yeah. And it was awful. And I still feel really, really bad about it. Yep. And he was so cool about it. He was. He was. You His were, were you were in the van when it happened. So you you knew exactly what happened in real yeah. time. Yep. And you weren't very mad. Well, I mean, at least you didn't tell me that you were very mad. You seemed very cool, calm, cool and collected. <laughs> yeah. The homeowner was very calm, cool and collected. I was very upset with myself. You were. You were <laughs> borderline distraught about it. And uh, I felt so bad. It. We, I still feel really bad, but I've. Do you feel better that you got it off your chest a little bit? <sighs> a little bit. A little bit? Good. Yeah. Good. And I did. I keep getting texts saying that the new headlight is being delivered tomorrow. So Perfect. That is making me feel better. Yeah. But I still feel... I take my job as commander very seriously with this yep. van. And I'm usually and pretty good at driving it. when you the van into something, <laughs> especially the client's car. I know. I don't know if it was better or worse that it was the client's I, car. I don't know. I mean, it couldn't have been... These clients that we're working for are so cool. They're they are. They're so chill. They're so nice. Yeah. Even after but you hit still. the car with the van. <laughs> but we're going to get it fixed, and it's going to be fine. And there was, like, no other scratches, which was great. Yeah. It was just, so, like, the end. There's, like, a little metal piece on the end of the van that I, I don't know what it's there for. It's kind of like an extra bumper, I guess. But it, it's like a battering ram, I guess. <laughs> In <laughs> this you, case, yeah. it was a battering ram. Yeah. <laughs> Took out their headlight. But. Well, yeah. That's a little bit of a mistake. And now, you know, <sighs> be a little bit more wary of where the back end of this van is when, yeah. you're, when you're whipping into spots. So. Um. Yeah, that was a mistake. That was a big mistake, <laughs> and I still feel it was just a little whoopsie. I know, but it's like when you do something like for like in terms of like being in a small business now. Like I'm used to working for such big corporations, and if like mistakes don't really matter that much. But like if I did like serious damage to that car, that would have been a really big deal for a smaller business. So yeah, I mean, I just I got insurance. It's fine. Well, I know that, but yeah. like still. It's not a big deal. Take it easy. Relax. I'm still um, upset about it, obviously. <laughs> one thing I do pride myself on, especially in business, I feel like most of the time I'm pretty I'm pretty chill about, you know, when stuff when stuff seems like it's going a little bit wrong. I seem yeah. to be pretty level headed. I feel like that's one good quality of a leader is they don't they don't blow up a lot. I've worked places where the true. boss gets yeah. like just like a firecracker and they just explode sometimes and That's you like true. live in fear of that yeah. person. But I feel like I try to just be calm about things and yeah, in the end it's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. It's kind of funny. <laughs> it ended up being funny. We've ripped into you for a couple of days about it yeah. and it's, you know, it's been good for morale yeah. at least for the rest of us. <laughs> Maybe not for you. I don't know. But anyway, yeah, no, I I, that's, that is, I think that's it. That's another good, good point. On, like, leadership skills. Yeah. It's so much better to work for somebody like you where you're not constantly living in fear. Yeah. Um, so thanks for not freaking out on me for making yeah, a no giant, problem. terrible mistake. And I and guess, it should be noted, the <laughs> van is completely fine. No, the van is... <laughs> the van's never been better. Nothing this happened to the van, van is at all. Just 
seriously like a tank. It is. And we were also moving in the van and I was sitting back here, which I'm not supposed to. <laughs> illegal. And I was working on a funny video and I kept playing it over and over again. So I feel like that might have distracted her. Um, uh, anyway, we're not going to dwell on it. Let's yeah. get it. Let's let's get into somebody else's somebody mistake. else's mistake. Yeah. yeah. And then I'll share another one of mine. OK, Um. let's do another anonymous tip line one. Okay. Oh, I kind of like this one. Assuming someone with experience has good experience and not bad experience. Yeah. That's a really good one when you're when you're looking for new employees because everybody's got experience. I mean, yeah. no matter who puts in a resume, they've all been contractors since they were like three. Yep. Everybody has. And it can really be a huge, huge swing from somebody that has good experience and good habits that can really contribute to somebody that has bad habits and bad experience. Mm-hmm. they're 10 times worse than somebody that has just never done this before, but has a good attitude. So, yeah. And you, it's really hard to get that sense of what type of person that person's going to be until they're on a job site. You know, you can try your best to interview them a few times, sit down with them, talk with them, just see what their attitude is like, because that's usually, that's usually what it comes down to. It's somebody that, has a poor attitude, thinks they're a know-it-all, thinks that their way is the best and only way. Mm-hmm. So you can try to get some of that stuff out of people with, you know, interviewing them and just, you know, really taking your time throughout that process. Um, but sometimes you don't know till they're on the job site and you realize pretty quickly a lot of times that this person is so stuck in their ways that don't really vibe with the way we do things. And this is just going to be a nightmare. There's no way that we're going to be able to break down these bad habits and instill the habits that we like here. So in those scenarios, Mm -hmm. it's better to just find somebody that doesn't have any experience and you can teach them how you want. Yeah. That's so true. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can try, (laughs) but a lot of times it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work because they're too old and they're about to go... To the Rainbow Bridge, you know. Oh God! <laughs> What's the point of teaching them <laughs> new tricks? They're they're on their last leg. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. All right. Uh, so should I get it? Should I get into another oh, yeah. one of mine? Yeah, yeah. Um. All right. So what what were the what were the three things that the three topics that I said? I kind of forget already. You had four. I had four. Yeah. Oh, the they? first one was the leadership employee thing. Yep. The second was time management and organization. Okay. Third is pricing. And okay. fourth is scheduling. Okay. Um, all right. So I'll go with scheduling. Okay. So that is something that has been really, really hard for us, especially as a small business, doing one crew, doing one job at a time, and doing these really large custom projects. So... A couple things, especially in the last two years, have completely blown that up for us. Um, Obviously, the pandemic, Mm -hmm. you know, we kind of sell out usually the entire year before we start building in the spring. So we try to schedule these jobs, leave cushions in there so that we can stay on track. But two years ago, pandemic hits, it threw everything out the window. I mean, it was just we had to shut down for a little bit. Um, over the last two years, 
I feel like it's kind of getting back to normal now, but people, you know, having contact with people that test positive and then they have to stay out of work for a week or whatever it was at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, Material shortages. That's really, hopefully we're, we're kind of past that now, but the last two years, it's just, you don't know what to expect. Everything that was like clockwork before, like getting pressure treated lumber wasn't, it never had an issue with that. It was just like, yeah, you call the lumber yard. They have it there. They always have it. They have as much as you need. Suddenly, 2020 and 2021, it was like you needed to call ahead, get your orders in a month, two months in advance. Um, some of our pavers were back ordered for months. Um, some SKUs of decking were really hard to get. Um, and that was with every manufacturer across the board. So it threw all of our scheduling completely out the window. Um, and then the other thing on top of that is most of the time we've gone through many revisions on the design and all of these options, but then still when we get there or right before we start, client came up with another idea and they want to add something. They want to increase the square footage of pavers. They want to just add in all these little details and that's great. We love that, but a lot of times it can easily add two, three, four weeks to a project and it's fine for that project. That client doesn't care because they're adding all these cool things. We don't care too much because it's going to make the project that much cooler, but it just set us back an entire month on a project. So group that together with material shortages, uh, labor shortages, and even though we didn't really have labor shortages, all of the places that we order from did. So even if they had the material, they were like, we don't have any drivers right now. We're backed up a week and a half just on deliveries, even once we get the product. So yeah, it's been a complete complete nightmare for the last two years trying to have any sort of schedule and stick to it so this year we're just trying to say it'll be done before the end of the year and we're kind of giving seasonal slots it's like you're going to be sometime in the spring you're going to be sometime in the summer you're going to be sometime fall before the end of the year and we've given ourselves a lot more leeway on that so yeah hopefully that that works for us. And a lot of that is really setting the expectation for the client. We've made sure to not give them specific dates that we're definitely going to be done. We always tell people don't plan a huge party based around any date this year. Yeah. Um, hopefully we're done a month or two months before that. If you want to plan a Labor Day party, hopefully that's not a problem at all. But let's wait on sending out those invites until at the very least we're there and we're started and we have a good idea of any material issues or any delays of any sort. So yeah, that's, that's so stressful. true. Cause I feel like sometimes people who aren't like not necessarily in the trades, but have like a connection to the trades. They think they like want to date. They're like, yeah, you said you're going to do this work and you're going to be here on this date. Mm-hmm. And that's just how people's brains work. They want you there on that date. And then they don't understand if there's like a delay, Yep. especially with all the, like the just product delays. It's like, you, yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. It's just not here. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, try to just fabricate it out of thin air, but it's not working. <laughs> it's not working. <laughs> so that that's probably been one of the most stressful mistakes is probably setting the expectations too high, basing it on variables that changed. Like yeah, um, just just every every single variable changed over the course of the last two years. So it's been a crazy ride. Um, and yeah, you can't give an exact start date. And the people that do, 
usually they're giving an exact start date and they'll come and start your job on that day. But they've done that for everybody else. And now they have 10 open jobs. Yeah. And they might have started on the right date, <laughs> but I bet they're going to be done even later than if they had just done them one one at a time. And once we get to a job, we're there, we stay there, we finish it, we move to the next one. So people yeah. appreciate that once we finally do get there. But sometimes it can just be a little bit frustrating for, you know, not only the client, but for us also that there's delays and we're behind schedule. So, um, That's something that we're just, we're learning on the fly how we can adapt to that. Yeah. So that one's been a little stressful for me, (laughs) particularly, but. That's a hard um, one to manage. It is, but hey, we're learning from it. We've adapted our strategy for this year Mm -hmm. a lot. And most of that is just based around the communication with the client and making sure that they know, you know, where to, how to manage their expectations as far as timeline. Yes. So definitely. All right. Well, and I'm sure everybody else can relate to that. Oh yeah. So definitely. What else we got? What do we got? We got some right. more uh, text ins. Yep. Um, not placing enough value on my skill set. Okay. That's a good one. Like not knowing your worth. Yeah. You should always think that you're worth more than you actually are. Yeah. Right? Fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do hear that a lot that people, um, I see it in like the online, uh, you know, contractor forums and everything. People come up with a price that they really sat down and figured out and it's based on their overhead. It's based on their materials. It's based on their labor. And then they come up with a number that they feel like is too high but you've just sat down and you've figured everything out. Like, yeah, it's that or go find another job because you can't like, you can't come up with that final number based around all of these things that are real concrete things within your business. And then just cause it kind of feels high, lower it based on that feeling because yeah. you want to base it on the numbers on the real concrete things that are in front of you. And a lot of people do that. They, come up with a number and then they kind of talk themselves into, "Ah, I could probably do this a little bit faster. I could, you know, maybe we could save a little bit of material by doing this. And then you kind of work backwards, trying everything you can to bring that price down a little bit. So what you in your head thinks is the right price, but you're just shooting yourself in the foot by doing that. So yeah, that can be tough, but you need to, you need to value yourself. Yeah. And especially if what you're doing is like somewhat unique. Yeah. Like for us, we're we're not just building like a twelve by twelve deck and then on to the next twelve by twelve deck. Like yeah. people seek us out because of your designs. So that's a unique thing that is hard to find around here. So people yeah. have that's what people pay for. They they want that special thing. So if you have that special thing, then Yeah. You find should place a value on your skill set. Find something that differentiates yourself. I say that all the time. Mm-hmm. But that is like one of the best ways that you can just pull yourself away from that square foot price of whatever, whatever trade you're in, there's always like this going rate for this thing, for a basic patio or basic concrete work. Mm -hmm. It's 10 bucks a square foot or whatever it is in your area. You need to 
offer something a little bit different, whether it's the product that you're offering is a little bit different, whether it's a unique design or it's superior craftsmanship or it's just a much better client experience, you need to find something that's different that breaks you free from just being about the price per square foot because that is just like a race to the bottom and it's tough. Yeah. It's just a, an absolute grind trying to do that. And most people, there's so many people also coming into the business that don't know their numbers and like are so busy working, not even realizing that they're not making money. It's going to take them maybe two or three years to go out of business. But these are the people you're bidding against. Yeah. It's people that are just getting into it, not even knowing that they're not making money and yep. you're trying to compete with them. So got to place value on yourself. Yep. You have to. Absolutely. All right. Um, should we do another voicemail? What do we? Yeah. Yeah, let's go let's to another, another voicemail. voicemail. Okay. Hey, this is William from Team Edit, located in Shelby, North Carolina. Uh, I saw your Instagram post talking about what mistakes that business owners are making in the beginning. Uh, I think one that a lot of people do is just buy unnecessary things in the beginning. Let's say like a brand new brand new truck specked out, which is a mistake. You know, we've all been there. Maybe not all, but most of us. So I I like to think when I make a decision, what is that de- decision going to look like in three years? All right. Thank you. <laughs> That's like a it. great one. <laughs> That's a really good one. Um, I, I, I love that sentiment of keeping your overhead low. Yeah. It's, it's tough. It's, it's tempting. <laughs> you, you get into your own business and yeah. you think everything's going to be rainbows and daisies and you're like, yeah, I want to get that brand new truck and new trailer yeah. and buy a piece of equipment. And it's exciting. You got to spend money to make money, <laughs> baby, you know, yeah. but you're going to severely box yourself in and limit your options the more overhead you take on, especially in the beginning. So my strategy was and really has always been keep your overhead as low as possible because it's going to give you so much freedom to be on the lookout for which opportunities you want to pursue next. You know, if you just get into business and you spend all this money, especially in in the trades, to get like a really nice setup, especially if you're buying new stuff and you have to get heavy machinery, you could be spending easily 150 grand on a truck, a trailer, and one machine. Easily 150 grand. You might start doing that and realize, you know, um, most of the money that we're making is on this service over here that doesn't require the trailer and the piece of equipment. But you've just boxed yourself in because you still have to make that payment. Yeah. So I think it's always 100% of the time better to just go into it with low overhead. I mean, unless you're just rich to begin with, then ball out. Get that <laughs> nice truck. Buy me one too. <laughs> but other than that, it's not about the nice truck. And we're yeah. doing like pretty good now. And I got like a, my truck's, it's 10 years old now. Yeah. It's all, it's kind of beat up and but i don't care the front bumpers falling off but the front, yeah it's just the the brush guard or yeah. something underneath and really all i need to do is put one screw in it but i just don't care that like it maybe, works it gets the job yeah, done it gets me from here to there and maybe i'm just not uh super materialistic maybe i don't know yeah. but i just never really focused that much on those type of things because i always looked at what that's going to take away from you the freedom that you're giving up yeah. To get that new truck 
when you really step back and think about it and you think about all those things that you have to give up to make that $1,000 a month payment on a brand new truck, it's not worth it most of the time. Yeah. Buy something used, buy something affordable, and then you have that freedom. You can shift your business uh, direction. You can take days off if you want. You can, you know, I just love that feeling of freedom in business. That's why I went into business to feel like I had the freedom to make my own decisions. And you could you could really be boxed in more by debt, owning your own business, than you would just not having a business and being an employee somewhere else. So really evaluate that. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. I feel like I do that with like, I get excited about a new hobby and I'm like, yeah, this new thing, I got to go buy everything. Yeah. Never works out. Most of the time, I mean, most of the hobbies that I know that you've had, like, I mean, sailing, you could spend a... I spent a lot of money on sailing. No pun intended, a boatload A boatload, yeah, yeah. But, like, <laughs> painting and crocheting, I don't yeah. know what the crocheting game's like, but those... Wasn't that one of your hobbies? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That can't be that expensive. Uh, no, it's not that bad, but, like, I'll go and I'll be like, I'm going to make this person a baby blanket for their new baby. <laughs> and then I buy all the stuff and it's like, if you buy like the nice stuff, it's like $50. Yeah. Which isn't that much, but still it's $50. So. Yep. And then I never complete that blanket or <laughs> I get sidetracked into some yep. other project that I want to do. Anyway. And then the longer it takes, the bigger that baby gets. <clears throat> that baby gets. The and then you got to make the blanket. <laughs> yeah. Gets. It's, a, it's like a trap. It's a trap. It is a trap. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go back to, one of your mistakes, oh, God. maybe a pricing, pricing mistake, pricing mistake. Okay. So this one, this one's easy and I know everybody can relate to this. We've all made the pricing mistakes where we either did what I said before. We try to talk ourselves into how we could be more efficient on the job or how we could, you know, maybe be more efficient with the materials. So we have to get less and we talk ourselves into lowering that price because maybe it's a little bit out of their budget or it's um, it just seems high. We've all been there. I've yeah. done it quite a few times. And you end up kicking yourself because a lot of times, and it always happens to be on those jobs that like you really convinced yourself that you could do it a little bit faster, finish it, you know, maybe a week faster than you expected instead of five. Hey, I think we could do it in four. It's always those jobs that end up not only taking four weeks, not only taking five weeks, but they take seven weeks. They take two weeks longer than your initial expectation. And you really get killed on those. So that's something that we've really had to reevaluate. And the biggest thing I've learned from that is you have to, number one, stop looking at your prices based on what you think is affordable. Because especially when I started out, I was like 30 grand for a deck. That's insane. I couldn't afford a $30,000 deck. Yeah. But also, I was like 26 and I was just starting a business. Mm -hmm. I'm dealing with people that are lawyers or doctors or whatever. 30,000 of them is nothing. So you need to not look at that price from your own perspective. You need to just look at your numbers, look at what you need to make be real with it and yeah. present that price with confidence because otherwise you're going to get burned. You're going to just be resentful towards that client because maybe they said, Hey, could it be a little bit cheaper? And then you do. 
you you fall into that and you cave a little bit and it just never ends up working out great for you. Yeah. So that's a tough one. Yeah. I bet people have made that mistake a lot. Lots of people. <laughs> lots of people. Another thing, you, you need to like take emotion out of it. A lot of times I get really like emotionally attached to a design that I do and I just mm. want to do it so yeah. bad that I'll, I'll go every which way trying to convince myself that it's not as complicated of a job as it actually is. And I'll lower the price because I just really want to do it. And I'm really attached to this design, Mm -hmm. but you got to realize you'll get other opportunities to use portions of that design or little details that you came up with on another project where it's going to work out better for you. So don't get so emotionally attached to specific projects and evaluate your numbers and, and make your decisions based on that. Yeah. Or like when, when a client is like, oh, no, that's too expensive. I'm going to go with somebody else. Don't Say, take that perfect. personally and be like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Best of luck to you. I, just, I, I can imagine that's hard to turn down or, you know, to not want to be like, okay, well, I can do yeah. it for this price. But like, as long as you're honest with yourself, like I need this amount of money yeah. to keep going. So I can't lower the price for you. Yeah. Take emotion out of it. Take emotion it's out of business. it. business. Just be a shark. Just be an <laughs> yeah. absolute shrewd business person. And <laughs> it's all about the cheddar, baby. Yeah. It's all that matters in the end. Forget about these clients in their backyard or whatever. I need that cheddar. <laughs> Show me the money. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I think uh, we've probably we're we're somewhat approaching our happy hour. And I mean, we could we could go on and on about mistakes forever. Yeah. Um, but I think maybe really- I, w- I would like to end this episode with since we've talked about mistakes, that's kind of depressing. Yeah. What's something that like went right? Like maybe what's something like that was a mistake that you turned into something that worked out really well? Do you have an example of that? Well, it's I like mean, nichely specific. It's so specific, spot, yeah. But I want to end on a positive note. Let's end on a positive note. I like that, and uh, I mean, hopefully, all these mistakes have turned into positives because you used it as a learning That's experience, true. like we told yeah. you to. <laughs> it's not a mistake. It's free education. They sort exactly. of have to pay for it because you lost money, but yeah. you know, yeah. Um, let's see. That's that's a tough one. So. I would say it would have to be something that, you know, is maybe a little bit unorthodox or something that I had to like kind of take a risk on that instead of ending up being a mistake, it ended up being something really good. Mm-hmm. What would that be? Um, let me think, man, this is a really tough one. Um, I would say the biggest thing for me that ended up being the best positive in my business was um, turning away jobs in the beginning when I didn't have a lot of prospects of work strictly based on they didn't really fit with my design style. Could be a, a job that they were willing to pay, you know, what the job should cost, but the design just didn't really, you know, their design style didn't vibe with mine. And instead of bending what I thought was the right thing and the most important thing to my brand, um, we walked away from it. And that was really hard to do. And a lot of people said, 
you know, you're crazy for doing that. Like you can't, it's their deck. You just build what they want. You know, what does yeah. it matter what you think? If you hate the color combo that they picked, you're going to walk away from this job. Who cares? For me, that was not only do I care because I want to build things that I think look cool, but I think for our brand, especially in the beginning, that was so important. And that was really hard to stick to. Yeah. But that was something that I think probably provided the biggest payoff in yeah. the end. Because now people have come accustomed to that certain look that we have to our projects. There's a certain kind of like feel to all the projects that we do. And they have this cohesiveness. And we would have never gotten to that point ever if, especially in the beginning, I started caving on that kind of stuff. Because you start doing it once and then it's, you know, then you're just a builder like everybody else and you don't have yeah. that differentiating factor. Yeah. It's a good example of that because I feel like a lot of shrewd businessmen would be like, why are you turning down business? But yeah, you stuck to your guns and it worked out. Yeah. And then I say to them, you thought you were shrewd. I'm shrewder. <laughs> <laughs> You're I'm the Dwight shrewdest. Shrewd. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, since you put me on the spot with something, uh, let's put you oh, on the spot Ugh, okay. for something. Uh, <laughs> let's see. What is something that you know could have been a mistake that turned out to be the biggest positive for you oh this is easy do you know what i'm gonna say i feel like i do <laughs> uh if you I don't say what i think you're gonna say i'm gonna be kind of disappointed joining premier outdoor living oh yeah <laughs> i spent 10 years in a career that i was not passionate about or creative in or I was not being fulfilled, but I stuck it out for 10 years because I thought that's what I had to do. Yeah. And that was a mistake. I should have never done that. I should have. You'll well, never I mean, get that 10 years back. I'll never get that 10 years back. But yeah. I wouldn't have had this opportunity 10 years ago either. So, you know. That's true. That's just the way that my, my cookie has crumbled. Yep. But. But a crumbly cookie is still a cookie. True. The crumbs are still just as good. <laughs> but yeah, the, I would say. My mistake would have been that I like waited too long to look for other opportunities, but I'm glad that it worked out this way. And yeah, I'm you so waited happy the perfect that I, amount I of time <laughs> to be completely fed up with your job yeah. and just waiting for that. You were probably just waiting, like, okay, I see the business starting to take off. Probably yeah. another year before I just watched you. They need a director years. of global yeah. expansion. Mm -hmm. Okay, I think they're getting pretty close to needing me. Yep, let's do it. That. Yeah. I think a lot of, I think the majority of people that um, if you were to tell them your thought process behind that before you left your job, they would say, Catherine, I don't know if you should do that. <laughs> You're going to leave this like very successful, extremely um, stable job with nothing but prospects for advancement to <laughs> what, what again, work for a deck and patio company that is also a, a media, what, what do they do? <laughs> And you're going to be the director of global expansion. Catherine, that's not yeah. even a real title. <laughs> I think you're being impulsive, but it turned out, I think, to be the best, one of the best things for Premier Outdoor Living and hopefully one of the best things for you. Oh, absolutely. And now the sky's Hands the down. limit. Yeah. So I that's great. Couldn't answer. be happier. Yeah. It's, yeah. And if you only said that just because I'm your boss and I'm right here. I appreciate <laughs> the sentiment either way. So no, I, I tell this to everyone throughout my life. Even my old coworkers. <laughs> yeah, even if they don't want to hear it. <laughs> Catherine, we didn't even ask. We don't care about don't this care expansion about this. of global <laughs> stuff, whatever. All right, well, hopefully, really the goal with this episode was to just 
to just break it down and let people know that mistakes are part of the process. That's one of the things I love to preach because I just see so much online about people pretending that they have it all figured out and they got this special formula that you just need to pay a couple thousand bucks to hear them talk about. Nah, that's not real. That's not real. You got to get out there. Don't do that. Snake oil salesman. Yep. And we ain't that. So we're just trying to be real with you. And uh, if you're making these mistakes, I think all these mistakes that we talked about were just so common. I think everybody will be able able to relate to at least some of these. And uh, no, you're not alone. Nope. You're on the right track. Keep your head up. (laughs) We're all in this together. Is it was that an original? What is that? Or is that a song? <laughs> That's a song. I I have no idea what it's from. Well, it applies. I love it. Yeah. So I think that wraps up this week. Uh, next week we'll be back at you with another just absolutely thrilling episode. But until then, this has been the hardworking happy hour. See you next week. <laughs>